0: This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Kluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy.
1: Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Kluck, joined as always by my good friends and my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, it has been a hot minute since you and I have done a sports podcast, and I think that's due to probably some, some just busyness in life uh, getting in the way of us talking sports on the radio. But uh, but I'm excited to be back doing this, and uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on some sports things. But before we get into that, Piper, I want to talk about a sponsor, a very special sponsor. And uh, it's a company by the name of 503 Sports. You can find them at 503-sports.com. And 503 Sports is probably... Like my dream company. If I, could, if I could just create a company out of thin air to make products that I would love, it would be this company because they do uh, retro uh, sports jerseys. They do jerseys inspired by leagues, that, uh, leagues and teams that used to be around and are now around no longer. Uh, so the World League of American Football, the XFL, uh, the USFL, all these vintage uh, football leagues. There's old-time baseball stuff. And uh I'm really, really stoked to partner with this company. I think they're out of the Pacific Northwest, uh, where we have a lot of listeners. So five sportscom dot com, they have agreed to send us some jerseys uh in exchange for this promo. So I'm super pumped. Pipe, what did you get from Five O Three Sports? I got a couple hats. So
0: it was a uh so I I I was looking at the jerseys and there was a I think it was a Pittsburgh Pipers basketball jersey, <laughs> yeah, which incredible, is incredible,
1: dude. Th- incredible.
0: It's I think it's an ABA team. Yep. And but and they'll customize them. Like part of the jersey cost is customizing, but I was like, well if I if it says Pipers on the front, I don't know what to put on the back Right. because it would be very redundant. Uh so I decided to go with hats because I'm a I'm a big hat wearer. So I think I went with a Washington Senators hat and then a homestead Grays hat. Nice. So Washington Senators being the team that became the Minnesota Twins. So they moved to Minnesota. Those I think there was two or three different iterations of the Senators, because then they became the Senators again and then moved to Montreal yeah. and became the Expos and then moved back to Washington as the Nationals. So it's all very confusing. Mm-hmm. And then the Homestead Grays were one of the most prominent historic Negro League teams that had like Josh Gibson and Satchel Page wow. and all of the not necessarily all of the greatest Oscar Charleston played on him. So most of the best players in the Negro leagues passed through there at some point. And, uh, so yeah, I, as a baseball history fan, that was my, that was the one I was most excited about. Dude,
1: That's what I think I love the most about this company is that it allows like people to engage with sports history in a unique way. And, um, like, like you, I'm a big sports history guy and, and my thing is kind of vintage football stuff. So, uh, so yeah, to get a USFL Jersey in the mail or some swag from those teams, it's, uh, it's really fun for me. So this time, uh, I went baseball as well. I went with a, a 1969 Seattle pilots Jersey. So, uh, the Seattle, well, those are, those are crisp. I like, they them. are, man, they're really nice powder blue with a little yellow accent. And, uh, so this, this franchise was the precursor to, uh, the Seattle Mariners being in Seattle, so Jim Jim Boughton, uh who just passed away, actually wrote uh, wrote one of the great sports books of all time called Ball Four. Uh, he was a Seattle Pilots pitcher, and uh, this jersey is is kind of an homage to him an homage to um, the the forerunners to the Seattle Mariners there in in Seattle. So I'm excited, man. Looking looking ahead, look already looking ahead to spring training and pitchers and catchers. Football has kind of this always happens during football season, Piper. It always kind of ends for me before it's actually over so right around like after the wild card round before the divisional round i just kind of lose interest in it and it is is that because is that because
0: you don't have a team that you're like hanging your hat on to like as a vikings fan as of right now we're recording this on a thursday the vikings are playing the niners on a saturday yeah which means that my my fandom might be over in 72 hours but uh is that because you don't have that? or is, And so the, the games have just sort of yeah. reduced to the point where you're like, well, I got room for other stuff in my fandom right
1: now. Yeah, dude, I think, I think it is. And and you know, it's funny you mention that. I kind of have adopted fandom through my son over the years. And I actually, I wrote a column about this that, that ran a couple of days ago. But just the whole idea that as a parent, and maybe it's different for you raising girls, but I'm, I'm guessing there's some overlap here. Like, you begin to really like the stuff that your kids like and my son because uh he spent kind of the early half of his growing up years in michigan uh, was a big tom brady fan and, and he ended up being a big new england patriots fan uh so he has pats jerseys and swag and he's gotten me some pat swag over the years and i ended up just kind of being a pats fan and you know have have started to care about again fan stuff i guess and the pats lost this last weekend so so yeah, t- to me that was kind of the official close of <clears throat> of caring about this football season, I guess. But so quick, quick aside on yeah.
0: that this this does pertain to your son. So, yeah, there was a obviously the, the Pats lost in the first round. That's not a thing that has happened much in the last eighteen years. Yeah. Um So that th- you're, you're talking about Tristan. I'm yeah, talking about Tristan. The, yeah, he's seventeen, the, junior in high so school. In, in his lifetime, he has not experienced the Pats sucking. No. And to be fair, they didn't suck this year. They had one of the best defenses in the league. They just, their offense wasn't that great. And so they got right. beat. uh But there was a, there was an interview with Bill Belichick after the game where somebody was like, what would you say to uh, Pats fans who have stuck with them through thick and thin? And he's looked at the guy and goes, to be honest, it hasn't been all that thin around here for the last couple of <laughs> decades. Yeah. And uh, which I what thought like, that is that is such a good answer. Yeah. He's so self worthy, like, yeah, we've had a good run. If if fans are complaining, that's kind of insane. Exactly. So my question is, how did Tristan take it as like this is kind of his first real disappointment? Yeah. Man, that, uh, that's
1: because because they've been so good for so long. Yeah, that's a great question. So Tristan is just like his dad, sadly, in that we are both <laughs> we are both the worst losers in the history of sports. We're we're just the worst. <laughs> We're a-holes, man. We're, we're such a-holes when it comes to losing. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's that whole tension between if you become too comfortable with losing as an athlete, then you're, you're probably not cut out for it. But, uh, but I, I wish we could both grow in this area. And sadly, like I'm not the person to help him grow in it because I'm, I'm so bad at it myself. But, but yeah, the, the, way, the way we work is that our flame burns really hot for a really short time. So like when the team is losing and immediately after there's like white hot rage clear the room. yeah you have to clear the room and 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 despair and all that but but then like 24 hours later Tristan was fine and um for me like I think it went to a real not to sound like a middle-aged lady here but a real enneagram 4 place in which after the Pats lost that night so we we have jerseys and I'm sitting in my office this is a ridiculous like Mental picture, but I'm I'm sitting in my office in my vintage Adidas like late '90s Patriots Andy Katzenmoyer jersey, and uh, that oh yeah that <laughs> boy that's a that is a deep cut that's right. a deep cut the
0: Ohio State linebacker the Ohio
1: State linebacker such yeah. a bad A like if you if you were a white linebacker in the late '90s which I was. You wanted to look like Andy Katzenmoyer. He had the the barbed wire tattoo. Yeah, he was he was like King King neck King roll, neck roll the visor the tattoos like he looked so cool. So I had to get a Pat Katzenmoyer pass jersey. So I'm sitting there in my office and I couldn't sleep, pipe because to me this Patriots loss signaled maybe the last time my son and I would ever watch a Tom Brady game together. Uh, because it's it's very much up in the air as to whether Brady will be back at all or whether he'll be back with the Pats. And as I was sitting there thinking about it, I got really worried that my son would like grow out of it, and we wouldn't get to watch Pat's games together anymore, which made me really sad. And I think I'm I'm already like kind of teed up emotionally for for getting sad because he's getting older, and we're starting to look at colleges and all the normal stuff you do, right? And all the all the. And as an enneagram four, you revel in sadness, dude. I revel in sadness and I revel in nostalgia. So I'm just thinking about all the like great moments we've had together, watching the Pats and watching Super Bowls because they have had so much success and we've had so much fun with it. So uh, like to me, it was just I could see down the road all of this coming to an end in a sad way. So so for me, it was less about the team losing. Like yeah, quantifiably, I don't really care if a bunch of people with whom i have zero connection lose a football game i mean it's not like my nephew plays for the pats or my my son or whatever so it's not a you know it's not a huge blow that way but uh, i think just what it represented for us relationally that's that's kind of what made it hard if that makes sense no, I I much prefer that answer to
0: like trying to sort out should you be disappointed after eighteen straight years of success. Like yeah. making it personal is is much more interesting and a much better answer. Because I if you had if you had tried to justify disappointment based on just the football, yeah. you would have there would have been an audible
1: eye roll. On oh, totally, but dude. I liked your answer totally. And <laughs> I'll tell you what made it harder. And this is going to be an unpopular opinion with our Tennessee listeners. This is going to sound like a hot take. I didn't like that it was the Titans that struck the death blow to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Um, I didn't like that it was a quarterback named Ryan. Guys named Ryan should be counselors at camp. They shouldn't be the guy ending Tom Brady's career. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> well, and, and to make matters worse, so we've, we've bemoaned this a billion times on this podcast, yeah. which is the sheer boringness of the Titans. Yeah, What this game did is insured that they are going to bring back a quarterback named Ryan mm-hmm. to lead the team next year. Maybe on the franchise tag. Maybe on a you know some kind of or a yeah short term
1: contract. Exactly. And he's not good. Right. He's just
0: better than garbage, dude. It's it's, it's and like and so yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say so. It just means that boredom will continue, and like they're now under the delusion that you can you can win by running Derrick Henry thirty times, and that only works. When the Pats' offense is trash, yeah, that doesn't work against anybody else. The Titans are going to get rolled this week.
1: Absolutely, they are. Absolutely,
0: I'm, gonna, I'm predicting it. And by the time this releases, we will know whether or not I was right. But I, they're going to get hammered because their offense is mediocre at best. Yep. And their defense is strong, but like a strong defense doesn't make a fun team to watch. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Well, in in a, uh, a an abysmal like arena football uniform doesn't make a fun team to watch. And that's something we've discussed ad nauseum. Yeah, the Titans staying with Ryan Tannehill is sort of like when your friend gets married, but you know that like the girl he's marrying, he's settling for. And you're like, yeah, she's okay. You know? Yeah. Could have done worse. You know? Um, the, tit- the Yeah. I
0: mean, and as a, as, a, as a Vikings fan who devoted 84 million guaranteed dollars to Kirk Cousins, it's like a slightly graduated version of the same thing. Totally. Like, Kirk Cousins is better than Ryan Tannehill. But Kirk Cousins is somebody who needs the perfect everything around him to succeed. Right, he's not going to drag a team to anywhere, dude. Right, you're you're and always so, waiting
1: for the other th- shoe to drop with Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah, and so, and it you know in the game against the Saints, it very nearly did. Yeah, uh, but it's it's just a yeah. There's a feeling of like ah, it's fine. Yeah, you know you have some moments where you're like that was really great, but it's not going to last. Like I. People were so excited when the Vikings beat the Saints, and I was too. Like, I let out a yell in my living room that probably scared the neighbors, and it absolutely terrified my dog. Oh, no. Um, but, but then within 24 hours, I was like, oh, wait. They just did this two years ago. Yeah. When they beat the Saints on the Minneapolis Miracle Play to Stephon Diggs and then got pasted by the Eagles. Right. I don't think they're going to get pasted by the Niners. Yeah but i don't think they're going to win either. Yeah, so yeah. it it's
1: just sort of like eh, that's kirk cousins. i know dude and and you're kind of like low key jealous of all the fun quarterbacks that like other teams have. it's it's a tough place to I'm not low key jealous. i like i in my lifetime there has never been a vikings
0: quarterback with the exception of like 10 game stretches yeah. that you're like we've got this guy we can we have a chance to win like like t- take the take the seahawks for example. yeah yeah. they're not a good team. no. But they have Russell Wilson. They have an awesome quarterback. And he can beat
1: anybody on any given day. Absolutely, absolutely. So I have no idea what that's like. It seems lovely. Oh, it does seem lovely. No, I get it, man. I totally get it. So let's let's walk through Vikings quarterbacks in your lifetime. And I wanna I wanna like I wanna archive the ones you were most excited about. So let's let's start with Tavaris Jackson. Um, was there a like a three game stretch where you you talked yourself into Tavars Jackson? Yeah, like the preseason. Okay. Uh, yeah,
0: where you know, because he's athletic and he had a big arm, yeah. and he was bad at everything else. Yep. Like he could throw the ball very far to the wrong place, and he <laughs> was, you know, he was he was mobile. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Tavares Jackson was was a, a a playmaker who would get you excited and go, man, if he could just do that like eight times in a row instead of once every eight plays,
1: we might have a quarterback. Absolutely, uh, Christian Ponder. So high, high draft choice, first rounder. Yeah, um, do, were you able he, to talk yourself into he, Christian Ponder for a for a moment?
0: No, I tried so hard to convince my because he was one of the last quarterbacks. Or he was kind of – there There was a two- or three-year stretch where teams who were quarterback desperate made really high draft picks because of the value of the position yeah. and totally whiffed on the guys. Yeah. So, like, Blake Bortles is one of those. Christian Ponder was one of those. Uh, who else? Um, E.J. Manuel Blaine was Gabbert. one of those. Yeah, E.J. Yeah, e. Manuel. E.J. Manuel and Christian Ponder were kind of like part and parcel in terms of guys. You're like, really, them? Yeah. Um, so – It was one of those things where I was like, Yeah, we need a quarterback, but then I looked at him, I was like, he wasn't even good in college. And so I I I wanted to believe in him. And then after about two games, I was like, oh, he's just really bad. Yeah. Like he didn't even have a career as a backup after that. He's not he wasn't even somebody who could kind of go be a solid clipboard holder, game manager, step in late in
1: the game. Yeah that kind of thing. He he just wasn't. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like his his career just fell off a cliff. And usually as a Usually as a first-round draft choice, by default, you get like a second act somewhere else. Like Marcus Mariota is going to go on and have a second act, and he could probably have a five- or six-year run as a clipboard holder. Um, Christian Ponder didn't even get that, nor did EJ Manuel, really. So, it's yeah, it's it's crazy how those guys kind of fell off a cliff. I've got another one for you, Pipe. Another Vikings quarterback. This one's going to be t- tough to talk about. Brett Favre. Brett Favre comes in. I hated Brett Favre. Yeah, you, you always hated just, Brett Favre. But what is so, there any they, level of like a little crackle of excitement that like at least we have him and maybe we could do something?
0: So, yes, for this reason. But let me let me back up when they when they got Brett Favre, I I felt very much like oh this is this is the midnight crossroads deal with the devil. Yeah. We have just sold our soul to the devil, yep. and that means you get a a tremendous amount of success. Until the devil comes calling. And I knew the moment they signed him, the devil will come calling at the most inopportune time. <laughs> He's going to do a thing to ruin this after <laughs> it has, like when it will hurt the most. Yeah. Uh, which if you remember that first season, it absolutely did because it was the last minute of the NFC championship game when he threw a classic Brett Favre throw across his body into the middle of the field, stupid interception yep. against the saints yeah. Um, after they cheated all game and Broke all of his bones. Yeah. Um. So, but in the middle of the season, it was really hard not to be excited about the way they were playing because they're just Dante Culpepper had some moments as a Vikings quarterback where he was. I mean, he was a phenomenal playmaker. Yeah, he and Randy huge athlete, put up, You know, video game. Yeah, records. yeah. And just yeah, he was six four, two hundred and seventy pounds, mobile, mm-hmm. ran people over, big arm, all that. Um. And then he got hurt, and 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 you know his career basically ended as well. Yeah. But. Farve was like that in terms of just, man, he makes plays we've never seen. And they had Sidney Rice when he was healthy yep. and Percy Harvin and Adrian Peterson. And just, it was an explosive team. Totally. But I always knew the other shoe was going to drop. <laughs> and so when it did, like I normally when it, at that point in my fandom, when the Vikings did something disappointing to end a season, it was like, <laughs> throw the remote, break a glass, like just yeah. full on temper tantrum. When that happened, I just turned the TV off and walked out of the room. I was like, well, of course that happened. Yeah. yeah. Like that. It barely it barely hurt because I was like, yeah, that's that's what was going to happen from the get.
1: Exactly. Now, Piper, if you could like put on your your GM hat for a minute, if you're if you're Rick Spielman um, and you could trade boring, unsexy Kirk Cousins for any of those guys that we just mentioned, like who would you who would you deal Kirk Cousins for? And it could be it could be multiple guys um, out of that list. Wait, of the previous Vikings? Of the previous Vikings quarter. If you could bring any any of them back in a trade, like you ship Kirk Cousins out of town and uh, and you bring in one of these one of these other guys, who would it be?
0: Man. Ah, oh, that's tough. I mean Kirk Cousins is probably the third well, you take one year of Randall Cunningham. Oh, dude. We I didn't mean, talk about Randall. It, yeah. Oh, he was awesome. In so in my lifetime. There have been there have been like Rich Gannon was a Vikings quarterback at one point. He was kind of mediocre.
1: He was great with uh, the Raiders though.
0: Yeah, he 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 got into a system that played to his yeah. strengths. Culpe- I'd say, Favre had the best, maybe the best yep. season. Culpepper had the best run. Yeah. Cunningham was right there with Favre as best transcendent season. season. Kind of yeah, and then yeah, and then Cousins is probably the best other quarterback but the answer to your question would be teddy bridgewater who we didn't talk yeah. about because the vikings made the decision to let teddy walk mm-hmm. and to sign kirk cousins and everything i wanted them and this is on record on this podcast yeah. to bring teddy yeah. back Same. because i thought teddy two gloves was the right guy at the right cost because it would have saved him 12 million dollars a year or Dude, the fan base loved uh, him yeah there was
1: there was to me very little downside to him
0: there were significant health questions because his knee injury was really bad, but he, as he showed this year, he in the right, with a good system. And I think he could run the system they're running now. Oh, I it's agree. Really quarterback friendly. I uh, and I just, I wanted, I, I would, I would trade Kirk cousins for Teddy Bridgewater right yeah. now. Uh, and I think a lot of people would say I'm insane. Cause cousins just put up a really good year statistically, but I just don't have any faith. Like, I think he could potentially just lay a monster egg at, at San Francisco.
1: Well, because he's laid so many eggs in the past, you know, you've got you've got yeah. egg-laying precedent there all all over the place with his career. Um and he's just not fun to like. Yeah, you know, there so there's a there's a little bit of a piece there where as a fan, you want to you want to be really stoked about your quarterback. And uh, you want to have you want to have reasons to be stoked about your quarterback and uh he's he's just a hard guy to get excited about. I mean, I think if I was going to trade
0: any any quarterback in Vikings history or like my fandom history, it would be it would be Culpepper. Yeah. Because healthy Culpepper with the the defensive rules that exist today versus when he was quarterback. I mean he was throwing for like 45, 4700 oh, yards yeah. back when that meant something. Right. And and with the you know the way that the spread offense has come in, his mobility, I mean I think I think he
1: would destroy the league right now. Dude, could you imagine uh, him if, running like QB powers, a la Cam Newton? Like like if those kind of plays yeah, existed like a, when he was in the league, dude, he would've he would have shredded on on plays like that.
0: Yeah. And I mean people don't remember, but he he was like a seventy percent completion guy in college. Yeah. He was accurate. He he had great touch on his passes. He wasn't just like a cannon arm guy. Like Cam Newton doesn't. Yeah. He he was he's cannon armed and you kinda have to twist the offense to play to his strengths. So yeah, I think Culpepper would be a beast in today's NFL. Yeah. And and uh, and also the way that quarterbacks are protected now, he would take a lot fewer hits. Dude,
1: He'd be impossible which to would sack. extend his career. I mean, like, how do you sack Dante Culpepper in 2020? You yeah. can't put a helmet on his helmet. You know, you can't. Yeah. I mean, you can't get anywhere near like the upper chest or, or helmet with him. Um, yeah. How do you take a guy like that down? It's it's uh, it's compelling. I think that's a good one. And when I ask you the question, that was that was kind of the guy I had in mind, too. Um, how fun would it be to bring back Dante Culpepper in this offense with dalvin cook you know with the receivers that you have i think uh, I think he does really well in that kind of scenario yeah i mean it's it 's hard to imagine him in in some of
0: the offenses that you know if you put him in a in an offense not not like the ravens offense because that 's built around Lamar running right. but a like a Patrick Mahomes esque, like the Andy Reid kind of offense or the Eagles offense that creates space for quarterbacks and yeah. that that kind of thing. Like he, Dante Culpepper at his peak was better than what Carson Wentz is right oh, now. Oh, sure. And Carson Wentz threw for 4,000 yards with, with like garbage men for receivers <laughs> exactly. this year. Like he yeah. had, they, they were literally like, oh, you, you clean the stadium. Can you come run a 40 exactly. for us? Exactly. Uh, so I think, uh, uh, he would be he would be insane. I would love to see that. Obviously that's pretend, but man would it be fun. Yeah,
1: and it sucks too because you have the far and away the least interesting quarterback left in the playoffs. Um which is just
0: yeah, kind of Wait, wait, wait. The Titans are still oh, in it. Oh, that's right, dude. You know, so, careful. I forgot about Ryan.
1: <laughs> Ryan the camp counselor turned quarterback.
0: Well, forgetting about Ryan tells you just how interesting <laughs> yeah, he that's is. That's
1: true. I guess I already kind of mentally assumed that the Titans are not still in it. Um but but who who knows? They could surprise us. Um, but yeah, we've got some. There there's are some exciting quarterbacks left. I mean, there's Jimmy G, who may not be better than Kirk Cousins, but who has the perception of still being better than Kirk Cousins. Um, are are we are we with Aaron Rodgers? Are we to like Aaron Rodgers' corpse phase yet, or is that still a couple years down the road? Because I feel like there's been a drop off with Rodgers, but we may not be to like so last year of Peyton Manning's career level yet with him.
0: I think what we've discovered is that Aaron Rodgers is like the Russell Westbrook of quarterbacks. Okay. In that he is he is probably the most or on the the top end of physical talent of quarterbacks. Yeah. The the plays he can make, the plays he can make, the throws he can make, the way that he can drag a team to victory, but he refuses to play inside any functional system. Yeah. I was I saw some stat that that uh, one of these NFL in uh like nfl.com analysts put up the other day. And it was Rodgers has been in the bottom five in the league in terms of holding on to the ball the mm-hmm. longest as a quarterback, like seven out of the
1: last eight wow. years. So it doesn't matter if you want to run a quick strike offense, he won't do yeah, it. Yeah, dude, which is so weird but because you, in college at Cal, he was the consummate like throw on, on rhythm West Coast quarterback. Like that's what that's what the NFL thought it was getting in Aaron Rodgers. And he's, he's kind of had this weird career arc where he's just gone a complete 180 from what he was in college. I mean, and he's way better because nobody thought he was going
0: to be off, you know, first ballot Hall of right. Famer when he came out. Because what did he do? They went like 30th yep. and, you know, last quarterback in the first Small round. Small hands. Like that that
1: but, was a knock on him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, I think he's one of those guys who, like, if, if he could get out of his own way mentally and kind of do do a Patrick Mahomes. Because Mahomes, Mahomes was like a freewheeling playmaker in college but has has melded himself to this system – And Andy Reid has adjusted the system to play to his strengths. And so now you have like this maximization of really good offensive system because Reid's a genius as a a play caller and a scheme guy. And Mahomes using his talent to to maximize the system. And Rodgers has just never done that. So I don't think he's at the end of the line, but he might be shortening his career
1: or shortening his, his reign of success by just being stubborn. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I I I totally agree. It's really interesting. I don't think the Packers do anything in the playoffs. Um, Well, no, I mean the Vikings should have beat them twice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, well, the second I shouldn't say should. The second game, the Packers beat them, but like they didn't beat them in a way that you're like, oh, that team's way better. The Vikings just like played so bad, and yeah, I don't think that. And I think the Vikings are like a a
1: middling playoff team, so. I, yeah, I don't see the Packers doing much the rest. Piper, of the let way. me ask you a Nashville question vis-a-vis the Packers. Do you encounter a lot of Packer fans in Nashville? Because, like, I feel like here in West Tennessee, there's a kind of a weirdly inordinate number of Packer fans. Not a ton here, but that's because
0: Nashville, more than where you are in Tennessee, is a is a land of transplants, yeah. and so we have a lot of Chicago people, a lot of New York people, a lot of California yeah. people. A lot of, and then a lot of people from all over the South, which means that it's it's a huge SEC area. So like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, obviously UT, Mm -hmm. uh, so forth. I don't encounter too many. There's a few more. Like honestly, there's a
1: lot more Kansas City people here that I've encountered than Packers. Interesting, man. That would be a fun team to like, wouldn't it? Kansas City. I feel like they got yeah they got weapons all over the place on that offense. It'd be a really fun team.
0: I wonder how a Kansas City fan feels about Andy Reid, because obviously, like I said, Reid is a genius when it comes to scheme and running an offense and everything. But his career track record is 100% success on terrible clock management. Yeah, that's true. Like he's going to do some
1: dumb (laughs) clock management thing that costs his team at some point. He's kind of the Kirk Cousins of like, you know, disappearing in games that really matter. You know, Andy Reid will get you he'll get you right up to the edge, you know. Um, and then yeah, there's always some some gaff, you know, some some blunder in the in the really big moment. But uh I, I I'm sort of rooting for him to overcome that. Um Man, I would love to see him
0: overcome because I <clears throat> I feel like he doesn't get enough credit as a yeah. coach because of his postseason. Like he doesn't he hasn't pushed it across the finish line, yeah. but he's been one of the best coaches in the top five coaches in the NFL for the last like to Don, back to Donovan McNabb. So, what are you talking? Fifteen
1: yeah. years? Yeah, he's been great, and any team would take him. You know, I mean, he's one of those NFL head coaches that, if he hits the market, like he's he's going to be off the market immediately. But speaking of coaching hires, Piper, let's talk about some some interesting NFL uh, head head coaching movement and see if any of these move the needle for you. Um, so, the very first hire I think was Ron Rivera to the uh, to the Redskins. Um, any commentary on that, Pipe? I was talking about this with a with a friend
0: recently, and we were in agreement that the Redskins are the most boring team in the NFL and have been since like nineteen ninety three. Interesting, they, how they have no no. St- what was who's the last exciting player they had on their team? Like the player that you're like man, even if they're not like I don't care about yeah. the team, I'll watch it just Dude, to see 20, what that guy. Dude, 2012
1: does. RG3, but it was a really quick moment, you know. It was a really, right. really, really Okay, fun. so there was the flash in the yeah.
0: pan. That's true. Prior to that who like Clinton Portis? Yeah,
1: Clinton Portis was great, but you weren't necessarily like flipping on the Redskins just to watch Clinton Portis.
0: Right. I mean, Clinton Portis is great in the same way that like uh Kind of Dalvin yeah, Cookish sure. in that, like, yeah, great player, but you're like, it unless Dalvin you're a Cook fan him. of the team, you're not, like, you, oh. you're not yeah, you're yeah. not going to sign up for NFL Network to watch yeah, yeah. him. So, and then they've just very rarely have they been utter, utter garbage. Yeah. There's a lot of like six to eight win seasons, yeah. a lot of mediocre everything, yeah. and one of the NFL's worst owners. Like, and here's the other thing I don't know if Ron Rivera is a good coach. Yeah. I think he's a perfectly. He's he deserves to have an NFL job. He is a good NFL coach. So in that sense yes, he's yeah. good. But out of NFL coaches is he a move the needle? Is he going to bring them to a like be consistent playoff contender? Yeah. I don't know. He's pretty up and down in Carolina. You know, he had six win seasons and 12 win seasons.
1: Yeah. So it's hard to say. Dude, I actually think Ron Rivera would have been great for Cleveland. In that he would have been an adult in the room. He would have brought them like a stabilizing presence that they haven't had. But but yeah, for the Redskins, I'm not sure he brings them out of the, the doldrums of mediocrity. And, and you're right. They've been – they've had good players. Like, when you look at the last 20 years of the Redskins, they had Sean Taylor, they had Clinton Portis, they had um, Santana Moss, you know, they had Deshaun Jackson for a while. Like, they, they've they had really good players. They had Chris Samuels, one of the best tackles in the league for a while. Um, but the the sum total of what they've had has been six or seven wins. Ryan Kerrigan, you know, like, low-key, one of the best pass rushers in the league yeah. for a while.
0: It would be fair to also point out that they have, they faced two significant blows that, that are like, uh, trajectory altering for a franchise. Yeah. One is the death of Sean Taylor, because yeah. Sean Taylor was, I mean, he was going to be like Ed Reed meets, I mean, he was already, Ed Reed phenomenal. meets Steve he Atwater, was, man. I mean, that's, that's my call. Yeah. Off. Yeah. It, well, Ed Reed meets like Luke Keekley. Yeah. Like, he was the best linebacker and the exactly. best safety in the league. Exactly. Um, And I mean, that might be a slight exaggeration, but he was the kind of guy you can build an entire defense around and offenses were afraid of him. And then Robert Griffin had, you know, he, he blew out his knee, but he was, he was the first guy that, that I can remember. So there was Michael Vick who was extreme athlete who could throw, but was not a great thrower. Griffin was an extreme athlete who could really throw. And then he blew out his knee. And, like, if he had been healthy and they could have figured out how to build an offense around him, all of a sudden they, they potentially do have a franchise guy. Yeah. And so they, they lost franchise guy on defense and franchise guy on offense within a few years of each other. And so all of those other talented
1: pieces are kind of for Exactly. None. Well, and people forget that on that, that 2012 RG3 team, I mean, they had Kyle Shanahan designing that offense and the current iteration of the 49ers are doing a lot of the same things that the Redskins were doing in 2012 and Shanahan is now the darling of kind of NFL coaching conversations. So, yeah, if they could have somehow yeah, and Sean McVay, Sean McVeigh came out of there, if they could have kept some semblance of that unit together, um they could have had a lot of success, but I think yeah, a lot of that points back to ownership and management and, you know, a lot of the a lot of the dubious decision making that's gone on there, so I don't think it's an easy place to coach, and I think that that speaks to ownership too. And it, it may be, yeah, it may be tough for somebody with Ron Rivera's pedigree of being, you know, longtime NFL player, longtime NFL coach, had some success. He may, uh, he, he may have a, a, a tough time with the ownership there. Um, so New York Giants pipe, staying in the NFC East for a minute, hired the New England Patriots wide receivers coach. Um, This was not a name that if you listen to NFL podcasts or read NFL media at all, it wasn't a name that was even out there. Uh, What do you think of this hire?
0: So his name is what, Joe Judge, something something like like
1: that. that. Um,
0: So I was listening to, when I first saw it, I scoffed. I was like, that is the dumbest hire. First of all, no Belichick coaching offspring has been good. Um, I don't think. I don't think there's any of them that have been good. Maybe Vrabel Uh, is doing
1: the best of, of any of them at this point so far yeah uh and
0: but vrabel was not a coach under belichick i don't think was he know that he was i think because wasn't he in houston Yeah, he was somewhere else he played under belichick and then i think he was a defensive coordinator in houston or something like that and their defense wasn't very good in houston but um he so so that's one problem then the other then and then i was like he's a wide receivers coach that's insane turns out he was their special teams coordinator coordinator previously and there seems to be sort of a rising tide of looking at special teams coordinators as uniquely positioned coaches to move into a head coaching job because of all of the they have to work with every different position grouping on the team and all the different coaches and so there's it's sort of a unique preparation ground i think belichick was a a special teams coordinator early in his career too so he has a an affinity for those guys um so that's one of those like, who knows? Yep. Like, we'll wait and see. Um, I was surprised, but also it's the Giants and they suck. Yeah. So like they, they, they don't have talent. They're a bad team. They don't I think a great coach might get them to
1: eight wins. Yeah, see the Giants are kind but of they, they're kind of Redskins esque in the in the same ways that we just described, and that they have a couple of transcendent players who are really gonna be mired in mediocrity because of who they play for, you know. Um Saquon Barkley uh I don't know who are the other transcendent players that might be it Evan Ingram is is No I mean cuz they
0: they got rid of they I mean although Beckham's yeah. gone they have who is it Evan Ingram Evan at tight Ingram, end yeah. who's like he's a top 7 tight end in the league but like if that's your most exciting your second most exciting offensive Dude, player right right oof. They don't they don't have any skill position talent their defense is not very good like they're just a bad team so they there's a major roster rebuild that needs to happen there. Daniel Jones, do you buy him as a starting quarterback? Who knows a rookie quarterback with no talent around him. It's just impossible to evaluate. Yeah. My only hope is that the struggles he had this year are, are not the kind of thing that sets a course for him. I want to see every rookie quarterback be yeah. good. Good quarterback play is great for the NFL. Yeah. So I hope, I hope he gets good. So
1: speaking of not a great, speaking stuff. of that Piper, speaking a good quarterback play, um, you know, We'll leave with this because I have to go teach school. So if you could trade if you could trade Kirk Cousins for any of the like high end quarterback prospects coming out of college this year. So Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, um, Tua. Tua. Tua just declared. So we've got four guys there that are kind of the Jacob Eason, I guess maybe is in that conversation, but four four guys. Um, all pretty high-end quarterback prospects coming out in this year's draft would you trade Kirk Cousins for one of them yes okay. I would trade Kirk well
0: for two reasons first of all just economically speaking if you have an NFL starter quality on a rookie contract it's the most valuable thing in absolutely because you're getting the most expensive position for like three million dollars yeah. instead of 33 million dollars so Straight up, I would do that just because. Imagine what the Vikings could do with an extra oh, twenty, whatever million dollars. They'd be yeah. amazing. Um, so, but the other is, I think, uh, I think Tua and Joe Burrow have the chance to be really good. I think Tua is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow. Interesting. Um, I I think Burrow's phenomenal, but I'm skeptical because he he burst onto the scene really out of nowhere. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he wasn't good. It might have just meant that he was in a bad situation before. They didn't have the right offensive coordinator. I think Tua's got a better arm. I think he's a little bit more mobile, and um, and I think he, I think he played in a little bit a system that did more NFL things mm-hmm. and succeeded in more traditional NFL offense. Realizing that the NFL offense is very fluid yeah. now, it's not just just drop back passing. Yeah. So. I the only question there is his hip. Yeah. If his hip was healthy, I would hundred percent take him over Burrow and Burrow is a great concept. Absolutely. Guys. But uh yeah, I think I think I would I would trade
1: Kirk for either of those guys, but I'd go two of first. Yeah. Dude again, it's it's somewhat shocking just the economics of the quarterback market in the NFL. And I, I think that was to me what was so uh incongruous about the cousins signing was, was the the scenario that you just explained, right? If you could get Cousins level production out of somebody on their first contract, um, yeah. Why do you like mortgage the future just to to bring in a, a guy who's like the fifteenth best at his position? But um, well, what's what's hard is that like it
0: the the risk is going back to the Christian Ponder thing That's where you right. start stretching for quarterbacks right. to get the 3 million dollar guy but you have a 3 million dollar terrible quarterback yeah. and there's only a handful of quarterbacks like a very small number who you look at and you go this guy can is a game changer yeah. like we thought Drew Brees was that guy and he struggled this yeah. year Tom Brady is is aging out of that so right now it's like Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, uh I think Lamar Jackson has now entered that sure. territory and not very many other yeah. guys and so you have to pay for something because yeah. the fall off, like if you don't have Kirk Cousins, you have maybe Ryan Tannehill
1: or you right. have Ryan Fitzpatrick or like do you just you get it gets ugly. Quick. It does. It does. Yeah, it's it's weird out there or you have Sam Darnold who you don't really know what you have yet because the team has been so bad Um Speaking of coaching changes, Adam Gase is one that should have happened because
0: he is. No, dude, I'm with you. I don't know how he gets. It's weird
1: that like the Jets are, they're just staying in this kind of Adam Gase purgatory for another year with Darnold, which really kills me because I feel like Darnold could have been great, and uh, I really wanted to see him be great just because he was really fun to watch in college, and he's got the huge arm, and yeah, you just want to see guys like that do well. He seemed like a good dude too, Um, but yeah, he'll be he'll be the victim of kind of. First contract purgatory with a bad coach and an organization that's going nowhere. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a strange world, Piper. But I uh, have enjoyed being back on doing sports radio with you. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. Again, spe- yeah, it's been too long. We'll have to it be has against. been too long, and I, I think you and I mentally are both going to shift into like NBA and MLB territory here pretty soon, which will be fun. We can start talking about that some more as well. Uh, Again, special thanks to our sponsor, 503 Sports, -sports 503-sports.com, for all of your retro football, baseball, and basketball swag needs. Uh, Piper, we have done what we always do on this program in that we have wandered to and fro throughout some sports topics. And until next time, Dante Culpepper. The
0: Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings.
1: at abide